Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that buzz next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. All right, still coming to you live from Las Vegas, getting ready for Noche UFC Mexican Independence Day. Coming up for the Combat Sports Leader this weekend. Good to have you with us. Episode 437 of the Anik and Florian podcast presented by DraftKings. Live on the DraftKings Network, also on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Clips are still there on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel, where you can access, among other things, remember the show with Bilal Muhammad and Jason Anik. Good to be with you, Ken Flo. What's a good word, kid? What's happening, kid? You've re- have you recovered? Have you recovered from all I'm your getting travels? There. Slowly but surely. Gotcha. I felt like our episode on Monday was just insane, and we were going in a number of different directions, and it actually taught me a valuable lesson in terms of how to structure our pay-per-view recap shows. I'm going to need more of your time, I think, because our producer, Cody Mero, is talking about Alexander Volkov finally crossing that threshold for him, at least in terms of the optics, looking like a world champion. And I'm not yeah. even sure if we uttered his name. Maybe I mentioned his name in passing, but Alexander Volkov had to fight through those leg kicks. He knew what he was getting in terms of just the gameness of Tai to Ivasa, right? But in a heavyweight division right now that is dominated by names like Tom Aspinall and Sergei Pavlovich waiting for 
John Jones and Stipe Miocic to complete their business. Here's this 34-year-old who's six foot seven, who's got all this gold from these other promotions, but who's an absolute beast. And on any given Saturday night, this guy could be a world champion too, at least in my mind. Dude, that height and size is always going to be a problem. Even if you don't know how to fight, here's the problem. Volkov knows how to fight. He knows how to put it all together. And, you know, when I was looking at this fight, listen, it, it's tough to make calls in the heavyweight division. Tai Tuivasa is a very dangerous man. He knows how to put people to sleep. But Volkov has really come into his own, man. The confidence, the jab, the grappling – all that stuff was on full display, and the dude looked uh, like a champion. I mean, really, looked looked like he put it all together and dominated that fight with ease in enemy territory. So, yeah, tremendous performance, man. Still progressing with his jiu-jitsu fundamentals. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. He talked a lot about his grappling in the fighter meeting, so certainly had to enjoy pulling off an Ezekiel choke, right? Haven't seen it all that many times in UFC no. history for myriad reasons, right? But congratulations to Alexander Volkov, a guy who's headlined several times for the UFC. Really good egg, a father who spends a ton of time away from his children and uh, just kind of wanted to highlight him off the top of the show in part because – our fighter meeting was just so thoughtful. Here's a guy, 34 years of age, but recognizing that this is the time, right? This is the time that I need to go all in. I'm towards the end of my career, moves to Las Vegas and reaps the benefits, you know, outstanding performance against Tai Tuivasa. And if any heavyweight can lose three consecutive fights and come back, we've seen Tai Tuivasa do it before, but Kenny, he had this long winning streak and now Tuivasa's lost three in a row. I still believe at around, maybe, what is he, 30 years old or so? I still believe Tai Tuivasa will fight for a world title before his UFC career is over. I really do believe that he'll have enough appetite for improvement. The cards will eventually align, and he'll find himself in an eliminator at the very least. You could be right, man. We've seen it a lot, especially in the heavyweight division, of guys kind of having this reincarnation uh, and, and turning their career around. And I, I think Tai Tuivasa... You know, while he didn't get the result he wanted, he had a very tough opponent. But I think movement-wise, he looked better to me. He looked like he was trying to uh, be more technical out there, uh, switching things up with, with the team, I think is going to work out well for him. So tough fight, tough setback here, but he will be back for sure. One other question I did want to ask you about UFC 293. There are these two light heavyweight contenders under the city kickboxing banner, Tyson Pedro, Carlos Albert. If they were to fight this weekend, I'm not sure what would happen, right? But it seems like inevitably their careers are going to be linked. Pedro obviously got to the UFC a lot sooner. Albert came off of Dana White's contender series. I bring it up in this context. Yeah. I think most people believe that the ceiling is higher for Carlos Albert, who sort of happened upon this career, right? Outstanding athlete, great rugby player, got into boxing, couldn't get boxing or kickboxing fights, gravitated towards MMA. Tyson Pedro, his father, John, ran a promotion, right? Born into this, right? I don't know if it's fair of me to ask you who has the higher ceiling or if I just want to know how you felt about Carlos Alberg's performance in particular. But uh, who do you think has the higher ceiling and what you think about what those two men did with the showcase in Sydney? Alberg looks solid, man. No question about it. I, I think that Tyson Pedro, um, I, I think he's going to benefit a lot over time by being affiliated with the city kickboxing gym. I think it's going to take him time to really learn the system. Once he does, 
um, I think he's going to be a big time problem for everyone in that division. And I think we already saw great gains in that last fight. But, you know, he's so humble it, from being there and experiencing that style and sparring all the great fighters that are over there. He's like, listen, man, he's like, I'm just getting started. He's like, I'm just here to to learn. And, you know, so he seemed very humble about the experience. And I think this is a great, great fit for him. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tyson Pedro kind of makes a run at that title shot perhaps quicker than than Alberg maybe. Well, and Tyson Pedro is the guy who has fought the much bigger names. He's the Brazilian yeah. Jiu-Jitsu black belt, right? He's certainly the more five-tool player in all realms of MMA. But in terms of just the scary plus athlete guy, I think Carlos Alberg might yeah. have the higher ceiling there. But I don't know. I mean, Pedro might be closer to a finished product, but maybe not, right? Like even on my fighter notes, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing like new setups, all new fundamentals, new striking system. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and he's had a couple camps now and uh, so far pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we will get to Brian Petrie in 60 seconds, but football's back in full swing. Another week of epic games coming up this weekend. And who has got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and new customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. And, of course, nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers, new or otherwise, can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action right now with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app and use code AFPOD to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code AFPOD. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Boyd in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right. Let us go three wide now and call on our outstanding mixed martial arts handicapper, Brian Petrie. Guy's a big sports fan as well. I mean, let's be honest, you know. (laughs) I'm hoping that uh, my Anakin-printed D-backs jersey somehow got lost in the mail. Please tell me that says Petrie and not Longori on the back of your jersey. It it is. It is. I I could never wear a jersey that has my name on it. This is an Evan Longoria jersey, baby. Sent to me for free by one of the best in the world, Evan Longoria. Couldn't believe it came on Saturday or Saturday night for the fights. And I don't think I've taken it off since. So let's go, boys. It's a day. That's bad. So, uh, yeah. I just wanted to quickly ask you if I could yeah. about the new undisputed UFC <sighs> middleweight champion, Sean Strickland, Man. and uh, your relative degree of surprise. Not just that he's the new champ, but the the nature of the fight. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it shocked me. It, I mean, it truly did. I mean, we I, I've all week I've been sitting here going, oh, Izzy was off. Izzy was off. That's kind of a cop out because Sean was on and Izzy didn't know how to deal with Sean's style. And Sean is a guy that he does things different. I know sparring is starting to get tail back in the sport. All he does is spar. And and it showed because it looked like Izzy to me uh, maybe didn't do a lot of sparring this camp. And if not, a lot of boxing sparring because after he got dropped in round one, he was on his bicycle trying to counter a counter striker and then it just wasn't there. And then he fell back. I mean, it was, I had a 4 1. Sean Strickland yeah. uh, shocked me to my core because Izzy's one of the best strikers in the world. He goes five rounds, 
doesn't have a mark on his face. I mean, what are we doing crazy. here? It was crazy. it was crazy. I'm happy for Sean Strickland. You know, that's Chris Curtis's guy. I saw Chris Curtis's reaction. I know it means a lot to him. Him and Chris Curtis have been tight since Chris was out in Temecula, California with Dan Henderson and those guys. So uh yeah, that's cool that that you're seeing the hard work pays off and and Sean's an interesting dude. But um yeah, I want to see him I want to see him fight everyone at 85 now. Now he's a champ. Right. Not an easy get out. You know, people thought when Pereira knocked him out, oh, that's, he, you know, no, this guy's tough. He's a tough out. His only other loss is Near, which a lot of people think he won. Give me Drekus Duplessis or Sean, Sean Strickland next year. You know what I mean? I love that fight. You know, well, well let's Costa. see what happens on December 16th, right? Yeah. To my knowledge, the UFC still needs a pay-per-view headliner in December. And while I would advise Sean Strickland, if I were his manager, to sit on the throne for a little bit, at least let the calendar turn yeah. and not Jessica Andrade this thing and turn it around and go to China <laughs> yeah. to fight Chong Wei Lee. Right. But I really do believe that Sean Strickland is the type of champion that if they need him to fight in December, you know, he's absolutely going to do it. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some selections for Noche UFC. I'm trying to time this out to give you a moment with your fellow Cincinnati guy. Okay. The UFC Hall of Famer, Rich Franklin, on the back end. So That's be awesome. mindful of the chat here, boys. We don't want to keep the UFC Hall of Famer waiting, especially if your story's off the air or any indication. I don't want to piss that guy off. No, no, when no. I auditioned Colin fights with him, he was one of the guys they had me call fights with to see if we would be a broadcast team. I didn't want to piss him off then. Ken Flo, I do. I, you know. <laughs> So Team Florian goes four and three at UFC two ninety three, but Kenny, there is a but minus nine hundred and fifteen dollars. Oh. You lost six hundred on Adesanya, of course, the three unit on Jack Jenkins. I had I had three units on Jenkins and oh, two I, on Alberg. Yeah, I know you had two on Alberg, but all in the math. I thought you were saying I had units on on, on Adesanya, but yeah, the yeah. loss on Adesanya yeah. killed us both, Petri. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So Team yep. Petrie, five and three. You had the extra hit on Charles Radke, uh, minus $205. So the lead for Petrie is swelling, though, $2,265. And there is a new rule for the main event challenge. And yes. again, we are revamping things for 2024, fellas. Because Fantastic. we need to figure out a way for your bankroll to more accurately reflect your sharpness, right? But basically, the new rule for the rest of the year is that you can abstain from any fight you want. Oh, okay. Now... For Petrie, that's a little bit of an advantage because he has this big lead. You still have to give our DraftKings audience your predictions, sure. right? But if you don't want to lay minus 1200 with a betting favorite to win $100, gotcha. you're not going to have to do that anymore. Fair? Fair. All right. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy-schmancy tilt-sip-smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule-breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia, to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. 
Sound the trumpets, ladies and gentlemen. It is horse racing time, so saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. So right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. All you need to do, deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app, not now, but right now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code FLOW, F-L-O, only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18 plus, 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on a first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. All right, UFC Noche. That's going to be fun to say. I still don't know as I talk to you guys if I'm opening this show. This is UFC Noche or if it's <laughs> UFC Fight Night, Grasso versus Shevchenko 2. I'm certainly as fuck open. It's UFC Noche. <laughs> Good fight uh, here, Bri. Tracy yeah. Cortez, minus 112. Jasmine Jazz Divisius, minus 108. Cortez 4-0 in the UFC, but she has not fought since a win over Melissa Gatto at UFC 274. That was all the way back in May of 2022. As you may remember, had a fight with Amada Hibas go away shortly after she had weighed in. That was back in December. Now she returns against the streaking 34-year-old Jazz Divisius. Brian Petrie, who do you have? Well, I'm glad you said it, John, because I was going to be the pronunciation of the week, and I would have nailed you know why it. I killed it. You know why, why? I killed the because I'm trying to time out you and your boy, Rich Frank. Oh, okay. I would have nailed it, though. I did it in my head all day. Anyway, back to the fight. This is a really good fight. Jasmine is, you know, I, I root for can Canadian fighters. Canadians have some of the best fans, most loyal fans. If you go on MMA Twitter, most of those sharks and stuff are from Canada, right? So I root for them to have a, to have a fighter. And Jasmine... Could be that one. She could be that one. She's very good. Tracy Cortez is a good grappler. She's mixing up her training really well. I feel like, you know, sometimes, though, Tracy Cortez, when she fought Melissa Goddard, she got taken down three times, threw up a couple submissions, looked pretty good, looked aggressive. She's tough in there. She's pretty, you know, maybe unassuming. Maybe people don't think she's tough because she is beautiful. She is tough. She can get down and grimy. But Jasmine, I think, is just a little too big and a little too sturdy. She lands really good takedowns, too. I think her stand-up is better. Um, the line is set where I would have it set, and I wish I was getting a little bit of more plus money or any plus money on Jasmine. So I'm going to take Jasmine here, and whatever the over is, hammer the over, over two and a half. It's going to be minus four, whatever. Put everything on it. It's just, These girls are grapplers. They're not going to finish each other. They're both very durable. They both want to win. They both have a lot of stakes, a lot of hype. Go the over. Give me Jasmine. Jasmine Jazz Divisius right now minus 108. And I kind of like the way you set that up in terms of rooting for there to be an athlete from Canada mm -hmm. that emerges. Because Ken Flo spent a lot of time training north of the border there at TriStar, yeah. right, Kenny? And at least right now, Jasmine Jazz Divisius is on the short list of fighters that can actually realize a title fight for Canada. So your thoughts on how she handles the appreciable challenge that is Tracy Cortez this week. Yeah, this is interesting. You know, um, I, I think that uh, for Jasmine, she matches up well in that Cortez, you know, has, has good takedowns. You know, I think her takedowns and wrestling control, kind of the best part of what she does. Can she do that against someone who is big for the division and strong and a grappler in her own right? And, and Jasmine, I just don't 
think so. I, I think it's a really tough style matchup for her. Uh, Cortez, I'm talking about. Um, I, I do think she's made big improvements. I think they both have, but I think Jasmine is is probably the better striker. And uh, again, a lot of times we see these grapplers kind of cancel each other out on the feet, ends up being a stand-up fight. And I think that's where Jasmine really can take advantage and, uh, and win that fight. So I, I'd <laughs> like to pick Jasmine. I like to put uh, two units on, uh, hey. on uh, Jasmine as well. Ken Flo coming out swinging. Yeah, and, and then she was on the schmo. She was like, she got interviewed by the schmo, and she said that her name is technically pronounced Yessa Dovichis or something like Yessa Dovichis or something. Whoa. I was like, geez, sir, well, I don't know. Anyways, I can't. <laughs> I, you guys have a very difficult job over there at the UFC pronouncing all those names. Well, Lena Landsberg, the Swedish fighter, no longer yeah. in the UFC. I think she might have retired. Her name's pronounced Lena Lansbury. Okay, so right, right. I mean, it's Thanks. there's I a lot know. to that, yeah. but you're not wrong, Kenny. Okay. Um, all right, both of the guys like Jasmine Jazz Divisius is how she says it on my phone, and how you will as such hear it on broadcast. All right, at lightweight, Mexico City's Golden Boy Daniel Zellhuber, modest two thirty eight, taking on Christos Yagos who is plus 195. Little setup for you boys, and then we'll have BP lead us off. Zell Huber, 2-0 in the UFC after an April win over Lando Venata. Yagos, the far more experienced party here than the 13-1 Zell Huber. Yagos, 20-10 as a pro. Multiple UFC stints, maybe even, but he started his UFC career against Gilbert Burns in 2014 at UFC 179. A lot of big names on his resume, mm-hmm. too, even in losses, right? Strength of schedule, outstanding across 12 UFC starts and coming off a big knockout win over Ricky Glenn back in April of this year. Brian Petrie, who do you have in this one? Zell Huber or Yagos? I mean, I know as UFC Noche, and I know huh. there's a lot of Mexican fighters on this card, but am I getting punked? Are, are they, like, messing with me, the bookmakers at this point? Because Zell Huber, look at the contender series, laid a dud in his debut, lost, and looked okay as timeout, but he didn't look like this young stud that we were promised. This guy that will knock you out, who's electric, and he could get there. Don't get me wrong, he could get there. But Yagos is is sturdy. This guy's tough to put away. You can get him on the ground, you can submit him, he gives his back a lot, and he gives up his neck a lot. But on the feet, this guy is sturdy, he's powerful. I've followed his social medias, it seems like he wants it now. He's starting to get a little momentum. He's starting to find himself a little bit and find his confidence in plus 195 huh yeah man give me uh christos jagos because that's dog money just ready to be in my pocket yeah i'm not surprised you went that direction and daniel zell huber one and one in the ufc by the way i stand corrected i uh i was very tired when i prepped for this podcast <laughs> kenny zell huber minus 238 right now on DraftKings sportsbook jagos plus 195 which way you going yeah this one's interesting um not sure what the bookmakers are, are doing here. Uh, I think if it was even money, I would go with Zell Huber. Um, I think that he's got a lot of potential, as Brian was talking about. I think he's a good striker, maybe a little bit more technical than Iago's, but I think Christos is going to be powerful on the feet. I think Zell Huber, it's one thing to have good offensive skills, but he does get hit, mm-hmm. um, and he hasn't faced the high level of competition that Iago's has. And I think that's where he can make some mistakes and, and, and maybe we're underestimating him Uh, and maybe Mm -hmm. he's further along than we thought. But I think at this stage of the game, there's just way too much value for Christo. So um, I I think that he has the capability of winning this on the feet or on the ground, uh, most likely by decision. 
But as Brian said, I had the opportunity to talk to Christos not too long ago at one of the PFL events, and he said he's trained his ass off. He's been mm-hmm. loving the training uh, down in South Florida. He's feeling great, ready to rock. So uh, I like Iagos as well. Yeah, he just seems to be in a really good place. I look forward to meeting Zell Huber at the fighter meetings here in the not-too-distant future. All right, feature about a bantamweight, El Nino Problema, Raul Rosas Jr., Minus 540 now on DraftKings, Bry. Terrence Mitchell's plus 360. All right, so let us see how Rosas Jr. handles his first pro MMA loss. Came at the hands of Christian Rodriguez in Miami at UFC 287 back in April. This line has steadily been climbing. Mitchell mm-hmm. making a quick turn here after he was knocked out in his UFC debut against Cameron Simon. That was at UFC 290 back in July. What do you think, BP? New rules in the main event challenge. You laying minus 540 or what? So I love the new rules because if I would accept the new rules or do it, I want my guy Ken Flo to come back. I want it to be, you know, fourth quarter come December. So I will pick a fight. I will lay the chalk on Riles Jr. because I don't believe in Terrence Mitchell. I don't. Sometimes there are numbers where you're like, this guy can get it done at this number. Like Sean Strickland was a huge number. Didn't shock me in the least bit that he won this. But Terrence Mitchell took some years off is a one-round fighter, came out, guns blazing against Cameron Simon, didn't even take a breath, was gassed out. Uh, Rojas Jr., I feel like maybe was humbled a little bit, but he is still a good grappler. He still is going to use that to, to grapple Terrence Mitchell, who is a longer striker, but has tended to grapple his last couple times out outside the UFC as well. He likes the, when the floor uh, the fight hits the floor. I think Rojas Jr., is, is that's where he wants to be. He's good to get on top. He has the better cardio. Um, and I, I think he's going to rebound here. I think he should, he's still young. So it's really hard for me to, to really kind of like knock on the kid. But I would, if I would like for him to come out here and get a finish is what I'm trying to yeah, say after yeah. his last performance, let's come out and get a finish. If not, I think he's going to dominate 30, 27. Uh, give me Rojas Jr. And I'll lay the chalk. I'll, I'll lay the heavy chalk. Yeah, Kenny, a lot of people have bet this number, right? And it's telling when a guy moves from minus 445 to minus 540 and people still find value there in parlays or otherwise. Some suggesting this a custom-made matchup for the youngster Raul Rosas Jr. How do you handicap things against Terrence Mitchell? Yeah, John, I I think that's what it is, really. I I think that Terrence Mitchell is very tall and lanky for that division. Was he like 5'10", 135 pounds? Uh, That's tough to deal with. However, if you're a dude who wants to uh, look for those legs and uh, get a leg entry and put someone on the ground, it could be a disadvantage as well. And I think while Rosas is probably going to be outgunned on the feet, for the most part, I don't think he's going to try to keep it there. I think he tries to put Mitchell on the ground, and from there, it's going to be over shortly thereafter. So uh, give me Rosas Jr. as well. All right. We have arrived at the co-main event, and I'm going to go right back to Ken Flo on this one. This is pretty interesting when I send you guys the lines, and it totally flips. I sent you guys these when I was in Sydney. Kevin Holland was the betting favorite. He's no longer the favorite. Jack Della Maddalena, minus 135. Kevin Holland, plus 114. 20th UFC appearance for my good friend Kevin Holland. Just had a resounding win over Michael Chiesa in Salt Lake City, July 29th. Now he faces Jack Della, for whom, Kenny, it has been an interesting summer. Escaped yes. with a split decision against Basil Hafez, July 15th. And now the 27-year-old out of Perth, right back to Vegas to take on Kevin Holland. Your thoughts? 
Oh, man. This is such <laughs> a tricky one for me because uh, JDM is coming off the worst performance of his career. Um, I was super high on him. I think when he's getting things going, he's not forcing a knockout. Uh, he looks tremendous when he's just slipping and ripping and keeping that body moving, that head moving. He's you know trying to organically look to take you out. Uh, he, he didn't seem that way in his last fight. And on the ground... I don't know. He, he he didn't look so so great either. But uh, and then you have Kevin Holland, who has been surprising me left and right. And I guess over the course of his career in the UFC, he's been a tough guy for me to get right. Um, however, right now, this Kevin Holland, to me, has a lot of consistency. Um it seems like he's highly motivated. He's tall. He's lanky. He's improved a great deal on the feet. He knows how to put it together. He's been wrestling his ass off. He looks way better in that domain as well. And I think he's got way too much momentum at this stage of the game. Uh, and I like Kevin Holland here in this fight. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm willing to put three units on that one as well. So, uh, tres unidades para Kevin Holland, por favor. <laughs> I love the way you laid that out, and it's all truth, right? Mm -hmm. As someone who has sat down with the man, like you're speaking truth, Ken Flo, in terms of his commitment. I find it very interesting, Bri, that promotionally yeah. they want him at 70, and yet mm -hmm. he still wants to go to 85. It's like, dude, right. win a world title at 170 pounds yeah. if you're not careful. Makes the weight reluctantly, begrudgingly, because he likes to eat. Um, but I do find it interesting that he was favored, and now he's not. Had he handicapped the co-main event at Noche UFC? Man, no disrespect to the real main event because that's an amazing fight too. This is my main event. I, I, I've been behind three name Jack from day one. This dude impresses me. Um, the one thing I've, and I'm not going to brag about myself, but the one thing I, I, I credit myself to is I feel like I have an eye for talent when it comes to some fighters. I dug up receipts with some of my boys about sugar being the champion. I dug up receipts of Ian Gary breaking the top 10 where they all, they all hate the new guys, right? I'm going to dig up some receipts on JDM here. I love that Kenny went Kevin Holland here because we've been aligned the whole time. I think JDM's boxing is phenomenal. I think people are taking a little too much um, into that last fight where it wasn't a great performance. He looked sloppy. His fight IQ was bad. He kept jumping for guillotines and he kept doing weird stuff when he could have finished the fight. But his hands are lethal. His boxing's great. Kevin Holland's a phenomenal fighter. I agree with you. I think he could win a title at 170 pounds. I think 170 pound Kevin Holland is a different Kevin Holland than 183 pounds what he used to weigh in at 85. I think this fight is is going to be bananas. I think Kevin Holland, besides Stephen Thompson, not many people have outstruck him on the feet. You know, he knocked out Ponsonibia, he knocked out Joaquin Buckley. JDM's got a tall task here. And Kenny's out here swaying me to go Kevin Holland, but I'm going opposite. Kevin or Kenny went three units on, on Kevin Holland. I'm going to go four unis Woo! on three named Jack. Let's have a ball game here, babe. Let's have a Let's ball game go. here. Four units on three name Jack Della Maddalena. And of course, oh. our great producer says his main event is anything featuring Roman Coppola. <laughs> yeah. I love I'm you, Cody. Cody, you get a one-year extension. All right, main event for the <laughs> Undisputed <laughs> UFC Women's Flyweight Championship. Brian Peach will lead us mm -hmm. off. Valentina Shevchenko, minus 185. Alexa Grasso, plus 154. Yeah. Grasso, plus 600. The underdog, back in March at UFC 285, shocked the world. Submitted Shevchenko to win the title. Came by fourth round face crank. Mm -hmm. Now Shevchenko, who had seven times successfully defended the title before meeting her match 
We'll try to exact some revenge, Bri. Yeah. I share your enthusiasm for Jack Della Maddalena and mm-hmm. Kevin Holland, but I am absolutely dying to know which way yeah. you guys fall on this main event. So without further delay, Brian <laughs> Petrie. And still and new, which way are we going? Yeah, listen, Valentina is is kind of the easy pick. I see a lot of people because they're like, oh, she wasn't herself. She was burned out. I like Alexa Grasso. I've liked Alexa Grasso for a while. She's tough. She's not afraid of Valentina at all. And when they clinched and when they hit the ground, Valentina usually is the stronger fighter there for most of her fights. That didn't phase out Alexa Grasso at all. You know, that was, I don't know if Alexa Grasso is stronger than her or not, but that didn't phase her at all. And I think, you know, everyone's like, well, Valentina made one mistake, one mistake. That's all it takes in this game. I think Alexa Grasso, they say you, you uh, Teddy Atlas quote, you're 30% better as a champion. I agree with that. I think Alexa Grasso is training like a champion. She's probably brought people in to really perfect this. She's already had one camp with Valentina. She's got another one. I think Valentina is absolutely a phenomenal fighter. The goat, you can throw her in there. But listen, I'm looking at the signs here, okay? Izzy lost, Drake bet him, and he's, I love EA Sports, ah. but he's on the cover of EA. Valentina is also on the cover of EA. Alec, Alexa Grasso, who I'm a big fan of, plus money. I'm addicted to plus money. Give me Alexa Grasso. And still, baby. How about that? Alexa Grasso plus 154 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Ken Flo rematch for the undisputed UFC Women's Flyweight Championship. We got Rich Ace Franklin waiting in the hole, but I will give you 60 seconds or longer if you need it to make your prediction. Who wins the main event at Noche UFC? Yeah, very interesting. Uh, I'm a big fan of both of these ladies. Uh, They have a lot of firepower, a lot of offensive capabilities. Uh, I think it kind of comes down to who's going to be more disciplined and who's going to make the proper adjustments based off of that last rematch. Now, it's very rare that you see Shevchenko at, what, minus 180? something or other yeah uh, so i see i see value there well minus mm-hmm. 185 alexa grasso of course there's plus money there but when i look at shevchenko and all the skills that she has and all the experience you gotta believe she's gonna come back stronger uh, more skilled and smarter uh don't throw any spinning attacks will you give me a heart attack no. <laughs> i'm going with shevchenko here minus 185 i see some value there Let's go, BP. Nice. Just one unit. Just one unit on Valentina Shevchenko. Is that right, Kenflo? No, no. I got. I I put. I put the rest on Holland. So I had two. Oh yeah, you don't yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. Out. He, he ran out. On he did. Yeah. He did. He ran out. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to bend the unit. Guy, make it competitive. <laughs> All right, I want to go four wide right now, and bring in the conversation. UFC Hall of Famer, former oh, yeah. weight champion. Oh, look how good the lettuce looks today, too. Oh, one FC Vice President. <laughs> It's good to see you, brother. How are you? What's going on? Been a long time, man. It has been a long time. Your hair looks fucking glorious. I, <laughs> bro, dude. <laughs> yeah. so, this is this is just an experiment, just so you know. So it's uh, this is not normal for me, as you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> always the handsomest man in the room, and I say that with respect to my co-host, Rich Franklin, Very is true. that guy. So Brian Peachy, our handicapper, has a quick story he wants to share with you. He's a big fan, and then we're going to let him get out of here. So, Brian, the floor is yours. So, Rich, I'm a Cincinnati guy. Don't mind the D-backs jersey. I also graduated a little school called Oak Hills High School. Wow, wow. What year taken, was that? I graduated 05. Okay. So I didn't have you. You taught the smarter kids in math. But there was a situation in your hallway where two kids were fighting. And this is the first time I saw you. I remember this. You out of your mind and you walk over and you go, bink, bink, (laughs) you guys done. And I went, I want to be that fucking guy right there. (laughs) Uh, Because these kids are like, you know, like I was a a freshman. They were seniors. I'm like, oh, they're about to fight. You come out like, nope, not going to happen. Bink. 
And it was the coolest thing I've ever seen when I was a freshman. I know Todd Cardin's a little bit. Uh, I've been at Saken a few times, trained okay. at Vision with Rod Housley and all those guys. So, yeah, I met yeah. him a few times, like, in passing, but – I want to share that story with you. Another That's pretty funny. Yeah, I can, I can remember that fight broke out. It was right in front of my hallway. And yeah. I was actually – I was like – I looked at these two kids. I'm like, of all the teachers that you can get in a fight <laughs> in front of, you chose yeah. my room. I literally threw each of these kids on my shoulder and just walked down the hallway with them <laughs> and started heading towards the – and it, the, I remember there was a big crowd outside. Like, yep. you know you know how the school, school fights are. So, it was like yeah. – and everybody separated. Like, they didn't even try to keep me out of the fight because they were like, let's see what Mr. Franklin does here. <laughs> and then I just picked these kids up and started walking away and, and – the whole crowd just hushed like well that was anticlimactic ending so that was funny well i'm happy to get that legendary story on the airwaves bry thank you brother thank you you next week all right see you boys see you rich nice to meet you take care all right well we are privileged to have a few minutes here of course with the ufc hall of famer and now one fc vice president rich franklin so i guess i have to ask though real quick before we get into some other things uh as the former undisputed ufc middleweight champion I don't know if you saw what Sean Strickland did or read about it, but do you have any idea about this changing of the uh, title in your division? Dude, I, you know, I saw I saw that punch land and uh, in the first round there. And it was a beautiful punch to it straight down the pipe and couldn't get any cleaner than that. Slipped off that. But um, then out of signing, come back in round two and, you know, put, put on a great fight. <laughs> what a great fight. Just insane. So it's interesting for me after calling that fight to then sort of on my way back from Sydney, go through your whole career retrospective and on your Wikipedia page and everything else. So I will get into some of that other stuff, but I want to lead with the one FC stuff because, you know, it's crazy to think that it's been almost 10 years since you made this decision that sort of made a lot of MMA headlines, you know, for a time, I thought you might end up being my broadcast partner, but in 2014, uh, you take this executive role with one FC and uh, have you been in Asia essentially full time ever since? Oh, no, I, actually right now I'm in New York. And so um, initially I worked for the company from Cincinnati and I was commuting, which is, you know, not your average commute to work for me door to door from my front door to my hotel. Anytime I fly in South to Southeast Asia is 33 hours. And then I moved down to Singapore, was there full time five years. Uh, you know, I obviously came back and visited home and whatnot. Never got rid of my place in Cincinnati. <clears throat> and now I've moved back to Cincinnati mid 2021, June of 2021, because we're starting to make our push into the US at this point right. in time. Had our first show back in May this year in Denver, uh, planning on doing four events next year in uh, 2024. And so I'm, I'm stateside and I'm doing oddly enough, like I never intended to, to do any kind of commentary necessarily. And I've done so many different things for this company because I, I kind of straddle the line. It's really weird. Like I'm kind of half talent and half executive. Right. And uh, so I've, I've kind of played that like slot back position where they just throw me in whatever offense is necessary and whatever position I need to be in at times. And I've done a lot of different things for this company, but currently I'm doing a, a lot of the work with the commissions, the state commissions here in the U.S. Because obviously, anybody that's familiar with one championship knows we use a different rule set than the unified rule set, and um, and so working with the commissions on getting the, the 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 codes and sanctioning in each of the states. Rich, how has that role uh, changed for you? And I, I guess what I mean is, how do you see fighting differently now that you've kind of had the, that, those roles for one FC? Oh, it's, you know, it's way different. I see it so much differently now. I mean, first of all, you know, I just take a step back from this question for a second and say, when, you know, when you and I were fighting Kennedy, Kenny, especially me, 
um, particularly like the way that the UFC used me, I didn't have to create any kind of character, whether the character was true to who I was or not. You know, like at the time I was the boy next door high school teacher and that's exactly what the UFC right. needed. And, you know, I spent time doing a ton of marketing for them preaching the good gospel of MMA all over the United States and then opened up several international markets. <clears throat> and that in itself separated me from the crowd. I didn't, we didn't have social media at the time. Like that kind of came on at the tail end of our careers. And so it's yeah. much different, but now being on the executive side of things, like I understand, I, I, I didn't understand it at the time when I was competing, although I just naturally did it. Is that when I was asked to do an interview or, or, you know, show up at an appearance or something like that, I did most of those things and I knew that it had value. Uh, but I didn't really understand the, the, you know, the gravity of, of those choices because that is what ended up not just, not just that, but that's what established my brand along with performing inside of the cage, right? Now as an executive, I see, and I see athletes that don't jump on these opportunities sometimes when you're like, Hey, do you want to do this interview or that interview? Or you want to make this post on social media? It's like, now you have to have these other things to set you apart from everybody else because there's so much noise with social media now, you know, keep in mind, like if, if, uh, the UFC had an event in March, uh, one year and I was the headliner for June, my name was all you heard from March to June. Right. And right. so that's, but now there's so much going on. There's so much noise on social media, yeah. so many things that can distract you that it's like, you need to figure out a way to make yourself stand out. And a lot of these athletes, they don't get that. Like talent obviously is a key component of succeeding in any kind of you know, sports arena. But at the same time, like, man, you really know how to, you need to know how to separate yourself. That, that's very true, man. Um, and I guess my next question is like, you know, seeing where we, where we came from, where the UFC was at back then to where it's, where it is now and all the other promotions that are in the space right now, are you surprised or um, did you expect this kind of explosion uh, of mixed martial arts all over the world? No, I, I mean, I've, I've been surprised at every level. I can remember actually after I won my title and then I, I was the coach on the ultimate fighter in the second season there. And uh, I can remember Dana saying to me, like, um, like, are you ready for your life to be turned upside down? And I was like, whatever. I'm like, this is a niche sport. Like I thought that in my head. Um, and, and, and it was very niche at the time, but it was that season one, season two, where things like that cuss, it, it really turned. Uh, and I can remember being in my, my hometown doing, um, doing an interview on a local sports station and talking to the host about how I enjoyed travel because I, I, I get to go be a celebrity in Las Vegas, but I get to come home and I'm just normal. And then it, it wasn't probably two or three weeks after that, like things really significantly changed for me. I could tell like when I was on TV, when there was advertising for one of my fights or something, because like I couldn't no longer go to the mall and, uh, you know, shop or any of that kind of stuff. I couldn't like, um, you know, go to like a, a little festival and, you know, throw a balloon at a, at a, at a or throw a dart at a balloon to win a stuffed animal. Like that crap ended. Right. And so, you know, and then obviously, you know, I'm, I'm 10 years out of it now, like since my last more than 10 years since my last fight. So when I get recognized now, I, I just say to people like, man, like you're a true fan. I've gotten older. I got a few more wrinkles. Yeah. Um, I even have long hair at this point in time. Who knows what this crap is coming <laughs> right. out of my hair? And like, if you can recognize me at this point, it's like you you really followed my career. Yeah. Well, since you are part-time on-air talent, just a, a strong lean or push to keep the lettuce, at least for now. I think it's a good look for you, <laughs> although you are disguising it a little bit with a hat. UFC Hall of Famer, 1FC's Rich Franklin with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. And I will say it's so funny. Like, I will never put on a pink-brown suit combination without thinking of you 
I and appreciate that. Fighter shorts and that color combination is always Rich Franklin for me. But gosh, you're just peeling my brain in so many different directions in terms of the breakneck nature of the UFC schedule. Because I remember even when Stipe Miocic won the belt seven years ago, we had a dark week the next week, just one week off. And mm. I remember thinking, man, that's good for Stipe. We're not live this weekend and there's not another live event. Your next fight night is One Fight Night 14 coming up later this month. It features Stamp Fairtex. And I was driven to watch this Stamp Dance video today. Like, I'm trying to prep Rich hmm. Franklin, and now I'm watching the Stamp Dance video over and over again. I don't know exactly what I'm watching, but I'll admit to being compelled. And obviously, she's got a big fight against a familiar name coming up here short. Yeah, you know, I, Stamp, I don't know if you guys know the history there, but I was at one point in time for one championship running a program called the One Warrior Series, which was uh, I was a traveling show and I found talent. It was great. Like best job I've ever had. I, I literally like I, I ran a production team. I got to travel around and we, we'd say, all right, where do you guys want to go? Let's recruit some talent. We need some people from Thailand or we need some people from Australia. And we would just go there and then we would create storylines and, and create this TV show that aired on the other side of the planet. And Stamp was from one of the first tryouts that I held in Bangkok. And I, I was, I tell the story frequently. I was watching this tryout and I just, it sounded like this cannon was going off to my right. And there's two people in front of me trying out. And I just remember hearing this and I suddenly looked over and I see this young lady. I mean, she's tiny. I mean, she's not, not a big woman. And I suddenly, I'm, I'm not even paying attention to the tryout that's going on this way. I'm just watching her. And immediately it was like, I need to sign this girl. Like I need to sign this woman right now. And so probably one of the few and only uh, people that came on my show that I jumped through a lot of hoops to get her to come into one championship. And fortunately, I signed her to my organization, which the Warrior Series, after we recruited our athletes, we had smaller shows, which was kind of a called a feeder league for one championship. And the moment that she fought one championship was like, yeah, we're going to take her right now. Huh. Huh. And so they just, they just pulled her away from me immediately. And then obviously, you know, the rest is history there. Stamp went on to, to win, you know, she became the Muay Thai queen for a while, kickboxing queen. And now with uh, Angela Lee vacating the title yep. at, at the Adam weight division, there was an entire, um, an entire Grand Prix that they ran. Uh, Stamp was actually part of that Grand Prix. Uh, Hamseo He, who is her opponent for this one fight night 14 coming up, was my dark horse pick. She ended up getting injured and couldn't complete the tournament, but she was my dark horse pick to actually win, like to win the tournament. So I'm excited to actually see this fight come back around. And yeah. I think stylistically, these two women match up really well uh, because Stamp likes to come forward. She's going to catch kicks and, and and counter off those kicks. She just she buries her head down, throws hands, and she's you know obviously very aggressive. But Hamso He, she's the kind of fighter that doesn't take a step back either, and she doesn't kick very often. So it's going to be interesting to see how these two end up throwing down. Well, and it's interesting for me to hear you talk about navigating your role as executive and on-air commentator because what ends up happening, right? You have interpersonal relationships on both sides of this fight. Now you're mm. calling this fight on prime video, September 29th. Is that correct or no? Uh, yeah, I will. I will be there. I'll be part of the uh, three man booth. It'll be me along with uh, Ray Flores and Mitch Chilson. All right. You can see it broadcast live in the U S primetime Friday, September 29th on prime video, because in hearing you talk about stamp Fairtex, I'm thinking, man, how's he going to call the fight? But then you hear about your connection to Sohi Ham or Ham. So see in the UFC, we called her Sohi Ham. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, despite the connection at the end of the day, like what, really the role I play on, on the commentary team is an analyst. And so you're only as good as your analysis. Right. I mean, so essentially I look at a fight and I say, all right, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm coaching stamp, what is going to be my game plan or my strategy against Ham So he, 
and then vice versa. If I'm, if I'm coaching Tom, so he, what is my, my strategy? And, and that's kind of like, I, I basically do an analysis breakdown, you know, before. So I typically list out the keys to victory for each of the athletes coming out a couple keys of victory that I, that I see that might be either pertinent or um, more important than others. And then move on from there. And then once we get into the match, I'm, you just call in the action of what you see is like, well, you know, she needs to do this if she wants to improve her performance here or vice versa. I mean, I don't know why I'm schooling you guys because you no, guys I are both it. very from like Kenny Floyd is one of the best analysts in the business, man. No joke, oh, man. Uh, Kenny, I do love your breakdowns, by the way. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. No, Kenny's the man. And uh, there are a lot of reasons to tune in on September 29th, perhaps chief among them to find out if Rich Ace Franklin cuts his hair before the broadcast. Hey, real quick. <laughs> very well. So, you win the UFC middleweight title against Evan Tanner 2005. So many big wins follow. The knockout of Jason McDonald in Columbus, the Chuck Liddell knockout, the two wins over Vanderlei Silva. So if you're putting one singular career moment on TV to show like a nephew or a prospective woman, I don't know if this answer changes based upon who's watching this video. But let's say it's a prospective woman. I mean, what <laughs> fight are we putting on, Rich? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I think um... – I, I always think of this question in, in two different ways. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, like there are two fights that always come to mind for me. Number one is the second Vanderlei Silva fight because I was dropped in that second round, literally had no clue where I was for two rounds. Uh, like I remember telling my corners between the fourth and fifth round, like guys, I'm back. Like I can remember hearing the instructions and it's like, you know, showing what, like how you can come through that kind of adversity is important to me, but even, even more so than that, probably my Travis Luter fight, not one that I would show people because this is my work, what I would consider my worst winning performance because we prepped for Travis Luter and, and uh, Matt Hume was coaching me at the time uh, on this fight. And he broke Travis down, gave the game plan, set the drills up. We had him figured out to a T. I just did not execute that night and got in the worst possible position I could be in. Basically when we were in camp, Matt was like, look, we did all these different drills and it was like, if you get mounted, he's like, we're done. Like the fight's over. Don't get mounted. And so I get mounted in this fight. And I'm like, I'm like and I, I actually, I mentally broke. Like I mentally broke. I was like, oh my gosh, I've lost. And then I just had this like moment where I snapped back and I'm like, hey man, no, 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 no. And so I, I did that hitchhiker escape and got out. And then after that, like I was just looking for, I think that was the largest knockout bonus, at least to date at that time that uh, Dana had ever given away. So, man, I was swinging for the fences for this thing. <laughs> and it just overall, like I, I watched that and it's like, it's not my best performance. Like I watched myself and I'm like, man, I do not look like a good fighter, but that fight taught me a lot about myself. So it depends on my, my you know, what, what my uh, purpose is for showing this fight. Yeah. If yeah. it's to impress a lady, then I'm, I'm right. probably going to go. If it's to impress a lady, I'm probably just going to go with Corey. Like, that's a clean one. Yeah. Nice and easy. <laughs> like, I, I look great, you know, you know. So no adversity. Like, you're just like, ah, yeah, you know, it was always that easy. Type you're of right. Things. Yeah, no. Sometimes as a journalist or podcast host, you're trying to think of a creative way to ask a question that you know the subject has been asked before and uh that's what we ended up with rich ace franklin the absolute legend we wish you the best of luck with your next live event it is one fc september 29th and you can see it on prime video right here in the u.s hey maybe we'll do this again sometime and uh keep the hair buddy we'll talk to you soon uh, i don't i can't promise i'll keep the hair but i'll say this i was definitely excited to talk to you guys man because i haven't talked to either one of you guys in a, in a minute so it's been, been been real fun thanks for having me on thank you man thank don't you rich stranger, you're the man, man. You sound Appreciate great. you guys. Thanks. Thank you, man. Rich Ace Franklin with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. What a good dude. You know, the Hall of Fame call for him came in 2019. And sometimes you wonder what that is like for a guy. And he wasn't able to be with us there, uh, unfortunately, in Las Vegas, you know. But sometimes I think these guys, and certainly for Jens Pulver, sitting around wondering if that call is ever going to come in. And 
damn right it came in. But just a real cool dude and uh, obviously has his finger on the pulse of the sport in more ways than one. Absolutely, man. And he's one of those guys that, again, like he said, he was just the regular dude, the dude yeah. next door who also happened to fight. He was a math teacher uh, and, man, accomplished so many big things in the sport and always remained the same throughout the fame, the world championships. You know, he's the exact same dude, which is great to see. So congrats to Rich on everything. Now, for you... Sorry, there was a little technical delay there. For you, I swear I wasn't cutting them off. All right, guys. No, no, no. Like we have Longo's Minute Man, and then we have these Florian <laughs> people. That so, in terms of getting recognized in public, right? I mean, you you deal with BattleBots people, right? But like for you, it's like you were when you were competing for world titles, you were also on television, which was not yeah. at all his reality. I'm not talking about the Ultimate right. Fighter. I'm talking about MMA Live, calling fights, right? Like sure. you were calling George St. Pierre pay per views at UFC 83, right before. Yeah. You fought for the title. So I guess for you, it's probably cool when people come up to you and actually reference your fight career because it happened so fucking long ago at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, back in the 1960s. Yeah, yeah no, I, I have similar sentiments to what Rich Franklin said. It's like, dude, if you know who I am, you've been following this sport for a very long time. So, uh, yeah, it's funny, man. All right. Well, thanks to uh, – Jen Wank, and thanks to Rich Franklin for hopping on with us here today. Thanks to Brian Petrie and Rich and our executive producer, Cody Merrill. Thanks to every last one of you. I say this all the time, but we just appreciate the support of the show so much so. And uh, if you want to go to WorldMMAAwards.com and uh, continue that support, vote, vote for us to uh, to take that category, Best MMA Programming. We'd appreciate that very much. We are back with you on Monday. We will recap Noche UFC. And we'll find out if it's Valentina Shevchenko or Alexa Grasso as the undisputed UFC women's flyweight champion. Check out AnnaFlorianPodcast.com to see what's going on with the show. Major things coming on the merchandise front in the next few weeks, so tune in for that as well. KennyFlorianMartialArts.com. Actually, Ken Flo did a fucking new video for his YouTube channel for the first time in, like, fucking ever. So <laughs> KennyFlorianMartialArts.com. Check out his YouTube channel, Argus Integrated Defense. And we'll talk to you next Monday. For Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Have a great week. Go there. Time I start a verse, I break at least three commandments. Kinda like Pluto because I never plan it. I'm outlandish in the way they make the patches look like they own ranches. It's the art of war. Your blood's the only color on the canvas. And I don't mean it like a thug into how you can get God. Fuck being gangsta, I'm hip-hop. You got it every time you walk in the label. The a and are not it. Immune to your shit because I circle, circle, dot, dotted. Body heat is intoxicly. Got a beat, I don't got it. Speak copies, start to think psychically. Make the speakers speak elitistly. Off their high horse, make an ass of their use. Your DJ must not know the alphabet for getting his cues. My favorite DJ got the and six extra L's to abuse Esoteric John P and I'm the new kid at school I'm Raider Ellis, nice to meet you Show busting my styles Egocentric, ego tripping with frequent fly smiles DJ wants to get in the bird, he gets in the bird And bird takes the shot You wanna sit it on us? We got commandos on us Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family and 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.